Hey ladies, welcome to WTF, Women Talking Frankly, a running conversation with your hosts, Kyle and Candace. And you, about issues facing women, such as health, hormones, our looks, our libido, life, and anything in between. We promise to dig deep and get into it each episode. Welcome. We're so glad you joined us today. Welcome back to WTF, Women Talking Frankly. So we're back in the studio today to continue our conversation with nutritionist Tracy Siegel about eating for hormonal health and longevity. Last episode, we gamely attempted to tackle the tsunami of dietary advice out there. And we talked a lot about the sugar inflammation connection, right, Tracy? Yes. And how it impacts weight and mental function and stress levels, not to mention long-term risk for diabetes, heart disease, and breast cancer, which, by the way, should be of particular interest to women in perimenopause and menopause. So, but it's so much more. It's about so much more, isn't it, than just weight control when we talk about optimal nutrition during these years. Um, So it's about our life, uh, our lifespan and our health span, which to my mind is more significant because it's really about the years we spend living in health, free of disease, Mm -hmm. free of symptoms. Mm -hmm. And I think it was Abe Lincoln who said to it, um, it's not the years in your life that count, but the life in your years. Yeah. Why live a long (laughs) life if you're not healthy, right? Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I love the concept of health span. I do too. And I think that, you know, we should be striving for that. And what we know is that food is fundamental to sustaining life. Um, what is Hippocrates said, you know, food is medicine, medicine is food. We'd have to use mm. a lot less medicine if we ate the right kinds of food. So we, I think we can safely say that eating right is just about everyone's stated goal. But what one person thinks is eating right, it really varies from person to person. One person might tell me in the office, oh, I eat a clean diet when I delve in. It's not as clean as you would think. I so, find that too. Right? And clean eating varies. Well, is not created yeah, equal. It's not. And they say, oh, I eat a plant-based diet. Well, that might not be a plant-based diet that I know of. Or they eat clean or keto or paleo or Mediterranean. It's so freaking confusing. But, of course, at our WTF, with our big emphasis on hormone balance, we really want to discuss what eating right means for women at all stages of our lives. So we realized last time it was such a big, it was such a big subject. We couldn't really wrap it up in one episode. So we invited Tracy to come back. Welcome back, Tracy. Oh, I'm so come happy back, to be Tracy. here. Thank so you hap- so much. So we, we help we, us continue this conversation. Yeah, and we Absolutely. thought about different ways to tackle this because we know how confusing this all is. But we don't want to really divide it up into like at this stage of your life you should always be doing this. We really want to tackle what are the diets that people are really following these days. When Candace and I were growing up, it was the Stillman diet. It was the what was the other one? Uh, that was the name Stillman, Stillman that I was trying to Atkins think of. Stillman Atkins diet. And there's an the HCG diat. There's weight the food watchers. combining diet. Yeah, there's Ornish's plan. I mean, the grapefruit all, diet. This is all, and the, the soup diet. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many diets out there. And now we have things like the paleo. That's a big one. Keto, Mediterranean. Intermittent and, fasting. Intermittent fa- vegan. Which I'd really like to know more about. Yeah, vegan, vegetarian. So we thought today what would be really fun to do is for the first our first episode on this topic today is really delve into each plan. And Tracy mm-hmm. will give us the ins and outs, the cons, the pros, and the good, bad, the ugly. Mm-hmm. And then we'll, we're going to come back for a second episode on this and talk about how each woman in, in different phases of their lives might benefit from different a fusion of diet or one diet plan. And we're going to try to ask, as is our ever goal, to ask the right questions 
um, of you, Tracy, because you're the expert here. But we've got we've got questions. We've so. got questions, and we know our listeners do too. Okay. So I think if you were Tracy, as a, as a nutritionist, if you were going to say, what's the number one diet that people are, are seem to be following these days? What would you say it would be? The number one diet today, I think, that people are following is keto diet. Okay, tell us so, really. Tell us what I that think, is. Um, people are just having a tremendous amount of success on the keto diet, but I think it's really the one thing that I need to say is, regardless of what diet you you follow, you need to be doing it correctly. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're doing mm-hmm. something like keto, in order to achieve the results, you need to kind of have a, a pretty decent understanding. Um, of why you're doing this. Of what you're first... doing, mm-hmm. why you're doing it, what what your goal is. Um, but before we launch into just specific diets, there's just a couple of things, you know, that I want to say is, you know, the number one thing people should do is just eat real food. Mm-hmm. You know, you cannot drive down the street without seeing a fast food restaurant on every corner. Mm-hmm. You know, this this idea of eating quickly Mm -hmm. is vastly becoming an important concept to people. And I think a lot of it is, you know, we're running our kids to sports programs or we're running in between meetings and we're just trying to grab something quickly. And the word grab looms large. It absolutely does. Grab and go. Yeah. Fast food. Right. Yeah, everything. And Mm -hmm. it's easy. It's kind of the root cause for all of a lot of these inflammatory issues that we're seeing in our society today because they are void of any nutrient density. So I think that's just really important. And we've we've come relatively mindless about eating. You know, we experience hunger, and so we just want to satiate that feeling in lieu of thinking about what we're actually putting in our bodies. And I don't mean mindless in any derogatory fashion whatsoever. We just aren't making the connection between what we're eating and how we're feeling. Isn't that so a huge help. difference? It's sort of the difference between wanting to be full or not feel hungry versus being nourished. Or just There's like the feeling of general. being nourished. We talk about mindfulness these days. It's right. interesting yeah. how, you're right, people are doing yoga and they're doing all these wonderful mindful meditations. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to food, I'm too busy to cook. I don't know how don't, to do things. And, I don't you know, how about all the food prep. delivery places? I was just going to say, think yeah. about all the places now that have delivery and a lot of like Blue Apron, they're having these really healthy, fresh or fresh and healthy. They have all these yeah. healthy options now. Why are we so busy? I mean, I guess we could talk about that in another episode, but I think yeah. that I think that's a whole different I do too, but I do conversation. Think, you know, we lost the art of cooking, of food yeah. shopping, of taking the time mm-hmm. to nourish our bodies. Well, you know, and you look yeah. at all of the um, availability, you know, Instacart and shopping online from new mm-hmm. seasons. I mean, they are making it incredibly easy mm-hmm. for us to live healthier lives. And I'm seeing more and more people doing that. And I'm, I don't want to say that people aren't engaging in that, but there is still a relative amount of, you know, obesity in our populations that, you know, and are predominantly contributed to these, this concept of, you know, fast food eating. But, um, you know, what we wanted to get down to today is kind of discussing some of the most common diets so, you know, you you brought up paleo. So ironically enough, in 2013, paleo was ranked the number one searched diet on Google. Hmm. And, and, you know, I didn't even hear of it 10 years ago. Yeah. So that's interesting. So 2013? 
in and back in 2013. So that's, you know, that's that's how long it's been around. And so, mm. you know, it really con paleo diet is really kind of simple. It's like paleolithic way of thinking. It's thinking from an ancestral perspective. You know, what did our ancestors eat? You know, they were hunter and gatherers. So they ate animal byproducts. They ate fruits and vegetables. You know, they didn't eat a lot of um, grains. It was mostly meats, fruits, veggies, nuts, and seeds. That is the basis of this you know, Paleolithic diet. And Pre-cultivation a lot of, people... of grains, right? Before grains were even right. cultivated. Right, yeah. so My question for you on that is just as a, taking a, a devil's advocate approach here, when I first heard about it, I thought, but those people didn't live very long and they didn't have to live very long because they didn't. And it, yeah. They had so many reasons to die young. We're all living these longer diets, right. longer lives now. So is paleo sustainable in terms of cardiac disease and health Good question. So, you know, you, you know, the one thing that paleo gets rid of is it eliminates, you know, it eliminates legumes, which are full of proteins, which are full of fiber. You know, it also eliminates dairy. Um, Not that I'm a big dairy person, but raw, pure, full fat dairy, if you do not have any type of allergy or intolerance, does carry it some benefit, you know. And so when you're looking at elimination diet, you also have to speak to sustainability. You know, I mm-hmm. personally am not, I'm not a big diet person. You know, I am a take a little bit of this, match it with that. You know, the body, we are all so individualized. Mm-hmm. You know, my recommendation for one person isn't and the outcomes aren't going to be the same in the next because there's this concept of bioindividuality. We all have our own unique DNA, which means we all have our own unique way that our body is going to utilize foods. So I have a comment on that. Um, when you get back to the dairy, I just heard this really interesting podcast the other day that said, that they've done studies now on people who eat full-fat dairy actually have a lower risk of diabetes, Mm -hmm. which I thought was extremely Mm -hmm. interesting. And I also wanted to comment on the legumes. I remember hearing about paleo and thinking, what is wrong with legumes? Mm -hmm. Legumes are really good for you. And then the third comment I have about paleo is sustainability. If you're eating a a high-meat-based diet, we can't sustain that for the planet. So right. I, I guess that's my, when I first heard about paleo, that's what gave me pause. Mm-hmm. I, I hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. It's ultimately a very good yeah. diet, but I think it's lacking in a few things. Although well, if, the, if, the, if the meat is grain-fed, then it's it's less um, So you true. bring up a really amazing, you know, it, not all dairy is created the same. Not all meat is the right, same. Not You know, where sourcing your products is really, really critical. You know, mm. grass-fed beef, pasture-raised chickens mm-hmm. and eggs and milk. You know, those things are incredibly important when you're talking about the nutrient density in the foods that you're eating Mm -hmm. and also talking about planet sustainability. I agree. It's really, really important. Fewer. You know, these are are big concepts. Well, that's like that book, um, Diet for a Small Planet, back in the day, talked about eight times Mm -hmm. times the land to raise a pound of beef Mm -hmm. as opposed to raising legumes. So... These are all great comments, but it's kind of fun to think about paleo. Everybody sort of just followed along and didn't really, I don't think anybody's always 
questioning those things. Mm-hmm. But like, I, you know well, I, mean? I think from a long term perspective, I think it would be really difficult. I mean, unless you're somebody who falls under a strict autoimmune, or there's a specific medical reason that you have to follow a specific protocol, I think some of these diets they're challenging because they're limiting. Yeah, you know, they're effective, mm-hmm. but you know, from a long term perspective, they can be really difficult. Which is why in my practice. I tend to recommend a little bit of one meets a little bit of another, you know, and just kind of figure out with each individual what's going to work best, you know, from an energetic perspective, what's going to best promote healthy metabolic function, healthy hormone function, healthy thyroid function. You're at the, you're at the, at the smorgasbord table. I am. I, saying a little I bit am. Of this. I think it's great. So tell us then, in a paleo diet, when you mm-hmm. mentioned all these things, but people, there's all these paleo magazines and all these great recipes. They're, they are using natural forms of sugar is what I understand, unless I'm incorrect about that. Yes, so they're more, they're definitely on the more natural side of of natural occurring sugar. So So they they can have some fruits. Okay, Um, and honey? A little bit of honey, yes. Maple syrup? Depend on who you talk to, I think, and what what one you follow, because there's multiple types of paleo within paleo. Yeah, because I know. So you have strict paleo. You have AIP paleo, which is autoimmune protocol. So that's someone that's presenting with specific autoimmune issues where you're getting rid of all inflammatory foods and strictly sticking to, you know, animal proteins from a meat perspective, veggies, coconut lard, coconut oil, lard, bacon, avocado, and olive oil. So it's fairly restrictive. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, no legumes, no nightshades, um, nuts, seeds. No nightshades. Nightshades can be contraindicated with an autoimmune. That's the AIP Can you, uh, nightshades, I think of tomato, eggplant. Tomatoes, eggplant, potatoes, tomatillas, paprika, spices. There's a... There's a even long ashwagandha. List. Ashwagandha the is a contraindication. But that's right. the autoimmune paleo. But that's but the autoimmune paleo. Other yes. paleo people can have all. Absolutely. That. Yeah. Um, that's specifically, you know. And then there's this eighty concept of eighty twenty. People fall into this eighty twenty, mm. where eighty percent of the time they're paleo. 20% of the time, it's a little bit more on the mm-hmm. the looser side where they're probably having the legumes and mm-hmm. having more sugars and maybe some carbohydrates, perhaps some starchy vegetables and some, um, and, uh, you know, rice. And, it seems and that's the way it should be as you cycle quinoa. into eating mm-hmm. sort of normally. Absolutely. Is, is, is quinoa permitted on that one? Quinoa would fall in like the 80-20. So, so. Tell, so to segue into the next one, I'm thinking of another one we hadn't even mentioned was Whole30. Mm-hmm. How different mm. is paleo from Whole30? So really, I mean, they're fairly close to one another. You know, Whole30 is... So Whole30 is really amazing in the fact that you are really eliminating all of the major inflammatory, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're getting rid of dairy, you're eliminating gluten, you're eliminating corn, soy, you know, corn and soy are two of the most processed um, foods on the planet and they are the base for just about every additive and preservative you know, they're cheap and they're easy to manipulate. Mm -hmm. Um, So removing those, um, you know, and no grains, you know, so you're getting rid. And the reason for the no grains is, you know, grains can carry, can carry phytic acid. Phytic acid can act as um, prohibitors and blockers from a digestive perspective. So, mm-hmm. you know, getting rid of those, you're really opening up the body and removing all inflammation from the gut 
you know, and also from a systemic perspective. And no sugars, right? And no sugars. Um, You know, people are always amazed whenever they do something, uh, some form of detox or a... um, Whole 30, you know, they'll buy something they think is as benign as um, broth, and there's sugar in the mm-hmm. broth because sugar is a stabilizer. Mm-hmm. Or some of, the, you know, some of the like coconut creamers will have sugar. Right, absolutely. And yeah. so, you know, I think everyone should... have to become should, a detective. Right. Check those you have to labels. Those well, labels. And that's what's really fascinating and that's where we get back to this mindfulness and this awareness piece is when you're actually reading labels, mm-hmm. you know, my philosophy is if you can't pronounce it, you probably don't need it in your body. That's a Michael Pollan We share that too. too. You know, yeah. If your grandma exactly. wouldn't recognize it, don't buy it. <laughs> Right. I love that. Yeah. Um, You know, and so it's really empowering for people when they start, you know, when they do something like that and they make a commitment to a Whole30 or some form of detox program where they're fully engaged in it. And it's amazing how they come in. I've worked with a couple people that came in a little skeptical and walked away like true believers in this concept of eating real food and the complete impact that it can have you know i am a full belief firm believer that you know our our diet and the foods that we can consume will either fuel our disease or heal our bodies you know we will fall into one of two categories well we all for our listeners uh, tracy had a class last year at the at my work and we all did it It was a 21 day cleanse based on the whole 30 a little stricter because tracy wanted to be a little stricter Mm -hmm. and it was pretty amazing that there was 21 or 22 Mm -hmm. of us yep and everybody came almost every week for four Wednesday nights in the middle of winter, which is hard in Oregon to get out in the dark. And I was amazed. A bunch of my patients were there. A bunch of our friends were there. My daughter became absolute sleuths. And, and then, like, I can't eat that. And we became really good at making recipes, and it was super fun. Mm-hmm. And I learned so – I thought I knew a lot about nutrition. I learned so much about myself mm-hmm. and what I like. And, and you, you stop using those sugars, you become very sugar-sensitive when you come yes. back to it. You know, Absolutely. one of the things I remember realizing that I didn't understand fully, and maybe you can tell our listeners, is the difference between – natural naturally occurring sugars mm-hmm. and added sugars mm-hmm. because you know you think you're drinking a healthy coconut mm-hmm. water mm-hmm. Yeah. and it's got 12 grams of sugar and then you think okay well is this natural this is naturally occurring sugar and there's fiber in this mm-hmm. And there's no added sugar, so is that am I good? Is that okay? Um, you know, so that's is, an important there is differential. There's a big difference between added sugars and processed sugars. I mean, naturally occurring sugars. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. So when you have naturally occurring sugars, you're predominantly seeing those, you know, in the forms of fruits. You know, mm-hmm. coconut a coconut water renders what twelve grams of sugar in a eight to twelve ounce cup, mm-hmm. but you know it's full of fiber. So the fiber is actually going to change how the body responds from Absorbs a glycemic perspective. Right. So it's going to slow down Mid- how mitigate. the body absorbs yeah. it. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to have this glycemic response in the body. As opposed to a processed sugar, which mm. has been bleached and, you know, has no nutritional value, meaning it has no fiber in it, 
and it's just going to go straight to the bloodstream. It's can going to tell spike looking gluten. at labels? Is, is there a way to look at a yes. label? What's the so label So you say? can look at, so it. there is a section now the FDA now requires where it says total sugars, added sugars. Okay. So you can tell the difference between anything that is occurring from a natural perspective versus what's been added. The rule of thumb is you don't want to exceed five grams of sugar per one serving in order for the body to not recognize that as a glycemic load. Added sugar. <clears throat> and added I think, sugar. So, I, so that's different than the 12 grams of so Which is clever. going to be different. This right. is where it becomes really difficult for people because, you know, in the Whole30, you're allowed to have mango. You're allowed to have dates. You know, a couple dates renders, you know, what, 20... 12 to 20 grams of sugar, depending on how much you eat. Mm-hmm. But when you think about that, when there is so much fiber content mm-hmm. in that date, That'll slow it's going that. to have a completely different metabolic response in the body mm-hmm. than having some soda. Plus all the nutrients. And plus all the nutrients, absolutely. When you eat a date versus eating a, a handful of, of jelly beans, um, you just feel so different. Absolutely. <laughs> just, and you don't get that sugar high. You no, feel but good, you but don't. you don't I mean, get Especially when you, be, when you make, I think it's really important to our, our audience to know this, that if you decide to make a change, try to do it for about 21 to 28 days. What you said, it mm-hmm. takes that long to make a change and feel the difference. Yep. And then when you start reintroducing these kinds of foods mm-hmm. again, you see how profound an effect Absolutely. foods have. You don't, you're kind of food numb you, when yeah. you're not doing this on Absolutely. a conscious basis. Um, before we head into yet another discussion of another type of eating, um, the, the phrase glycemic, glycemic index, glycemic load, mm-hmm. glycemic response, I think mm-hmm. would be, we should explain that. <laughs> So the load is actually how much sugar is hitting the body at one time. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about glycemic load, it just means, and when I say glycemic, I'm referring to sugar, to glucose, glucose in the blood. Mm -hmm. So that load is, it's hitting the body all at one time which makes it really difficult then for the pancreas to keep up because the pancreas has to release insulin to get the glucose out of the blood and into the cell. So when you have are constantly bombarded with um, heavily laden sugary foods, and when I say sugary foods, I'm not just talking about cakes, pies, candy right. bars. You know, it's anything that converts easily and readily Simple to carbohydrates. sugar. White so bread. white breads, white um, rice, wi- white rice, and uh, even you know, brown rice. <laughs> ab- yeah, yeah. And yeah. so you know, potatoes. Those things mm-hmm. are that are you know fall into the processed carbohydrate category. Cheese it. You know, yeah. I mean, think of all the yummy, snacky foods we Absolutely. eat, and we don't think of them as having a high glycemic and, index. And we also have this concept of, you know, I'll just eat gluten-free, but gluten-free actually carries a higher carbohydrate load than regular because they have to do a lot of manipulation to make it palatable. Mm-hmm. And that's the and same difference that happened back when we had fat-free. Mm-hmm. The fat was taken out of everything and yeah. sugar was added in. I think yeah. the same thing is going on with gluten. When so, you check out those labels, yeah, they yeah, can I be agree. very off-putting. So, you know, I just want to circle back to the um, paleo diet because I just I want to make sure that we're complete in that conversation sure. and we're not leaving anybody hanging on that because there are a, really a lot of benefits, you know, to the paleo diet. You know, you are you are removing grains. You are eating lower in carbohydrates, so you are reducing inflammation. Um, you're eating a lot of proteins. Now, 
The one thing people need to be mindful is if they do present in more of a pre-diabetic stage or they're kind of, you know, right there on that cusp, they want to be really mindful with paleo because, you know, proteins can convert fairly readily to glucose. So if you fall into that category, you might want to eat less protein and a little bit more fats, Um, you know, but it promotes healthy weight loss because again, you're getting rid of a lot of processed carbohydrates. It also regulates blood sugar Mm -hmm. and you're regulating blood sugar because you're insulin resistant because you're getting rid of the carbohydrates in the diet, you know, and so, and you also tend to improve your nutritional deficiencies. You know, that is one thing that we need to have more conversation around is the mineral content and the vitamin content in the foods that we're eating Mm -hmm. and what it's providing, you know, from, from just an absolute, you know, nutrient density perspective, you know, when you eat processed foods, they're fairly void of, of nutrients, Mm -hmm. you know, and so, um, but some of the cons for it are, it's high in protein. Not everybody wants to eat that much protein. It can be really challenging for some people. Can it be hard for people um, with kidney disease too? It can be. It absolutely thinking. can be. You know, again, you're getting rid of the legumes. You're getting rid of the dairy. Mm-hmm. You're getting rid of all of the fiber content, the mm-hmm. potassium, the magnesium. You know, a lot of um, legumes and beans carry a lot of really great, great nutrients, iron, folate. So, you know, I think if anyone is going to make a decision, do your research. Talk to somebody. See a mm-hmm. nutritionist. Figure out what's going to work best for your body because there is not a one-size-fits-all when it comes to dietary needs. So mm-hmm. Okay, that's a, that's great. I think, whole, I think we've kind of covered Whole30. It's, it's yeah, very similar. absolutely. What about keto? Oh, this is such a big topic. So <laughs> when do you think keto was designed? When? How long do you think keto has been around? I think it's, 30, it's ancient years. nutrition, isn't it? Yeah, really? it was developed in the 1920s. It okay. was originally developed at Johns, John Hopkins for patients with epilepsy. Uh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so they found that patients with epilepsy did really well on a high fat. And when I say fat, I want to make sure that we're qualifying this. It's good fats. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a tremendous difference between a, you know, organic coconut oil and avocado oil versus a French fry. Sure. So I just want to make sure that when we're talking about fats, we're mm. only speaking of high quality fats. No, tater that's, tats. that's really important. Tater tats are out. <laughs> that that's really important though, because I think people have become there's you know fear of fat is still out there. The fear of fat the is still out there, and the fear of fat of contributing to cardiovascular disease is very real. Yeah, and there is a tremendous difference between an avocado. And a trans fat. Exactly. You know, a trans fat is what is going to contribute to inflammation. That inflammation, that long-term exposure is going to be what you see contributing to metabolic syndrome, to cardiovascular disease. Can you remind our listeners trans fat is highly processed? Trans fats are the highly processed fats. They're the hydrogenated fats. Mm -hmm. They are. What's that? What we all all thought when we were growing up, butter was bad for us. So we all ate margarine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I was listening to another, it's interesting, we're talking about this fat discussion because I think it's really relevant. Another podcast I was listening to the other day said, you know how we all counted calories? Calories Mm -hmm. are sort of going by the wayside in terms of nutrition. Oh, absolutely. And now it's all about fat 
grams mm-hmm. and protein grams and really ignoring Looking. Ca- yeah, the whole food as opposed to mm-hmm. the calories. It doesn't matter. I mean, it matters that you don't want to eat like thousands of calories, but right. much more counting your grams. But so, so much about the calories, it's not calories in, calories out it because isn't. of what you're saying. We don't process all calories are not processed no. in not the same manner by the body. People, so that's the yeah. reason that people do get a little nervous when you start talking about increasing fat content and especially you know you have a woman walking in who is desperate to lose weight so per one gram of fat it renders nine calories per one gram of carbohydrate and protein it renders between three and four so it's almost double the calories here's what's amazing about it though is it is so satiating that you feel fuller longer and you require less food. So when you're talking about the ketogenic diet, um, it's really designed to change what our fuel source is. Mm -hmm. So we've historically been taught that our fuel source is glucose, Mm -hmm. which is sugar, Mm -hmm. right? So you need to eat a lot of carbohydrates to make sure that- Carbo load before- Right, Mm -hmm. absolutely. So this concept of ketogenic diet is really reframing the thinking and allowing the body to become a fat burner and utilizing fats as its primary source of energy. Especially good if you've got lots of stored fat. What about the concern years ago that people would go into ketosis and it could cause damage to your cells? Well, that's where it becomes really important to know what you're doing, you know, when you eat keto. And I think we need to be really careful in throwing around keto because I hear it a lot and people aren't really doing keto. They're doing a keto-like diet where they're eating higher fats, some proteins, Mm -hmm. really low carb. Mm You know, um, if you are in full ketosis, you know, you should probably work with a practitioner so you fully understand, you know, what you're doing so that you don't, you know, cause damage to the body. But the ketogenic diet, you know, just based on the current research today and the research from a historical perspective is it's actually quite beneficial. You know, it is proving to be really good when people have metabolic and um, syndrome, mm-hmm. meaning they're falling into that pre-diabetic, they've got insulin resistance, you know, reversing type 2 diabetes, you know, following a good um, exercise regimen as well. But um, as far as, you know, getting into ketosis, you know, you again, you want to be really mindful and really aware of what what you're doing. That's my well. There's something called ketosis opinion. flu, isn't there? I mean, people can get so well sick for a little bit. People do get they can get keto flu, which keto means flu. it's kind of the same concept of when you do a um, an elimination diet. Mm-hmm. So you don't feel good. You're detoxing. So if mm-hmm. you go from having a highly processed diet to then doing, you know, a keto plan where you're virtually down to 20 to 50 grams of carbohydrate per day. Your brain's going, what? You know, all of a sudden the body is working on a carbohydrate being the predominant source of energy. You have to train the body to now become a fat burner, you Mm -hmm. know, because we've kind of dumbed our bodies down a little bit. Like our blood sugar starts to drop and we're like, oh, I need some glucose. Mm -hmm. So we grab a quick snack that has some form of carbohydrate in it Mm. to bring our 
you know, our um, blood sugar back up. When you do keto, you are depending on the body to convert stored forms or current forms of fat into usable forms of energy. So are you sort of um, starving the body of carbs to make it shift towards using fats? Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. And so, you know, it's... We have typically referred to us, our, you know, that state in being a glycolic state, mm-hmm. you know, where we're depending upon glucose, you know, and now we're in ketosis, which is the metabolic state of depending right. upon, you know, these ketones. In How the long body. does it take to make that shift if somebody starts a keto diet? It really depends on okay. the person. But I would say... You know, someone who transitions into depending, and again, this depends on how processed the diet is prior to starting keto. You have someone who has a relatively healthy diet, the transition is going to be much easier. Mm-hmm. You have somebody who comes from a really processed diet, maybe has a they lot of a weight lot to, to lose. <laughs> they have a lot to give up. It's yeah. going to be much more difficult. It's not, and it's going to be much more difficult both from a psychological perspective and a physical perspective. It's a huge shift. It, it's a huge, huge shift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and we cannot, I cannot stress enough the psychological component, you know, when we're talking about these types of diets, you know, really getting people to transition from a what am I giving up to what am I gaining type of mentality. You know, you start talking to people about diets and there's this like kind of knee-jerk reaction of I'm going to have to give up everything that I love. Mm -hmm. And that's not the case at all. You know, you can create an amazing diet out of really healthy foods, mm-hmm. a lot of it is just A, learning, mm-hmm. and B, kind of reframing your thinking about food. Well, I notice those keto balls that they sell at Whole yeah. Foods now. What's in those for a dessert? Basically, it's going to be probably maybe a little bit of date, maybe a little date paste, maybe a little bit of some form of sweetener, and a lot of fat, and so, coconut. So and coconut walnuts, for sure. And, yeah. So can you list the foods they can have? I know people talk about being able to have vodka on keto. I'm not I'm not sure what's correct, because people say, like you said, there's keto-like diets. Champagne mm-hmm. is the lowest carb. Yeah, so what's some, what's some of the <laughs> Actually, things? Actually, I think the lowest carb is um, of the tequila. wines, anyway. Oh, of the wines. Tequila yeah. is the lowest carb of... So what? So what can so an average day for somebody who wants to go to a party that night? What would mm-hmm. they be having? Just for example, let's be fun with this. Food wise or beverage wise? So someone who is going to a party, they would be having, depending on what was served, they'd be having maybe some beef, some chicken, guacamole, mm-hmm. coconut, olive oil, shrimp, no coconut. chips. They could dip no, cu- cucumbers. Go mm-hmm, in the cucumbers. Guacamole. Yeah. Um. You know, it's there's definite ways of finding foods that you you can eat um and then maybe they're doing something simple like a vodka soda with a little bit of lime i always wonder about these things because people have to live their lives absolutely so when you say about giving things up Mm -hmm. i think it's really like we did when we did the whole 30 it's really important to be prepared yep and have strategies for different situations that you're going to be in or you're doomed to fail Oh, absolutely. So that's why I think it's important to kind of know what you're getting into. Well, it's sort of, I mean, you could think of, it's the way you think about it, the glass half empty or half full. Mm-hmm, when you're giving something yep. up, you're also gaining something. Yep. When you're giving up all these carbs, you're gaining a more stable blood sugar, oh, insulin uh, sensitivity, and, and probably uh, 
control of your weight over time just because we're fighting this this carb habit yeah. which which you know I think is interesting too because you've got vegetarianism and I know we're not quite done with this topic yeah. but that is such a go-to, the carbs, for yeah, so many vegetarians. Totally. That's a real problem. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, that's why I'm, when you're saying this, it, it sounds really great. Yeah, you're going to get all these gains. But people who have live a certain life, making mm-hmm. changes, we have all moved along and evolved in our lives. Yeah. But people who are starting out with a very poor diet and very poor dietary Have a habits, long way to go, yeah. And maybe not the, the, the resources to buy the food mm-hmm. or not being educated. Again, mm-hmm. I think the preparation, being aware. Like we all learned that last year, mm-hmm. having the recipes, how, knowing how to yep. shop. Going through it's, the cupboard and getting rid of things. Yeah, it's, it's, preparation it's, is everything. Mm-hmm. It will, and, you know, and, and also taking away the overwhelm. Mm-hmm. You know, part mm-hmm. of, a big part of my practice is, you know, people will walk in and they've researched all of this. They're mm-hmm. like, I've tried a little bit of this and I've tried five minutes of that and 20 <laughs> minutes of this. Uh-huh. And, you know, and they don't, they don't get the results they want. And, you know, I think part of it is there's this expectation of immediate gratification But the other piece is when there's a lot of systemic inflammation, it's going to be really difficult for the body to get to any space of homeostasis because it's constantly battling itself. Mm -hmm. And when there's inflammation, you're going to have a very difficult time losing weight. So when people first come to see me, you know, for me, it's really important to, to work with them to get them out of this relative stage of unhealth and start moving into a stage of, of being more healthy before we really attempt at weight loss. Because Absolutely. even if there's some yeah. weight loss, it will be fairly nominal and likely not sustainable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, especially in populations where there's an excess amount of weight to lose, there's a lot of behavioral changes that need to occur first. There's a lot of habits, um, a lot of thought processes there's emotional a lot, eating. There's emotional eating. That's a that is a big one. Yeah. You know, and so this is such a bigger conversation. Sure. You know, but looking at how these all relate, I mean, the amazing things thing is about all of this, they're all extraordinarily complementary to one another. Mm-hmm. So that's why I like to take little bits and pieces from all of them. Mm-hmm. If someone walked in my office and said, I want to do ketogenic, I'd be like, great. Let's make sure that we're supporting. Let's do this correctly. Let's get you. But let's do this short term, cycle mm-hmm. you off, see how you do, see how mm-hmm. your body responds, you know, and then create a diet that is long term sustainable. Because again, you were, you have the word diet in mm-hmm. there. It you know, it kind of has this connotation of a plan of short term. Which is know. not a way of eating or and way so of life. And so for me, it's it's how do we create this long-term way of life mm-hmm. that is sustainable. Life plan. Um, yeah. And well, how many fun. People, how many people, like I see these people come into my office and they're trying to lose weight desperately. They go on the keto for like months at a time. Mm-hmm. They lose 9, 15 pounds at first and they feel great. And then they hit this plateau and they don't know what to do. Yep. They're sort of lost in the ozone. And yep. that's where they need somebody like you to talk to them and say, okay, you've tried this. We maybe Let's, need to shift. Yep, absolutely. The, so that's why I think it's so great to have this uh, overview of many different mm-hmm. types of it. Tell me this about keto. Yeah. When they've done studies, I'm sure, and I'm sure they have, 
how does it affect the cardiovascular system and the lipids and, the, and hemoglobin A1C and inflammatory markers? So from what I can tell, there doesn't seem to be a lot of negative implications okay. from a cardiovascular perspective because mm-hmm. fat is the number one nutrient for heart health, which okay. is completely ironic and seems to be opposite of what we've been told. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, but one thing that I would like to add to this is I do think when you're increasing fats, it's also really, really important that you do necessary liver gallbladder support. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you are somebody who does not have perhaps the best liver function, you know, the liver produces the bile, the bile is stored in the gallbladder. When you eat fats, the gallbladder releases the, the, the bile and it breaks down the fats and converts them into essential fatty acids. So if your if your bio is thicker, more viscous, it's not going to be as effective. You're not gleaning the benefit from that as much as you possibly could. So, you know, looking at you know nettle teas, dandelion tea, um, milk thistle, milk thistle mm-hmm. you know, some supporting types of to foods the liver and to assist that liver function. You know, if you were able to break out of you know when you're not in the you know, heavy in the keto, add a little bit of beets to your diet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're huge full of phytonutrients, tremendously beneficial to the body, um, but are higher in sugars. So, um, but cabbage, you know, those foods can be really, really healthy for the body. So for me, having, you know, um, a lot of supplementing and supporting foods to help the body best break down and utilize fats because if you're doing if you're doing this this diet you're doing with intention mm-hmm. and so you want to make sure that you are getting the full nutrients you know we talk a lot about about nutrition but it's really the bigger picture is what your body is doing with what you're eating mm-hmm. so there's a larger conversation than just just what you're eating it's it's how your body's utilizing it processing it breaking it down so, so would you say i mean think to wrap up on paleo mm-hmm. so can, i mean keto uh it sounds like it's really good for people with neurological problems yes we talked about parkinson's mm-hmm. we talked about alzheimer's uh, ms, uh, MS epilepsy. Epilepsy. Yeah. epilepsy it's good yep. for people who want to lose a lot of weight mm-hmm. and it's pre-diabetic with... metabolic syndrome and, uh, what are the cons the cons, the biggest con that I can find, it's not bad for you. It's not bad for you unless maybe you're not doing it correctly, then potentially it could be. If mm. all you're eating is bacon, that's probably not going to be <laughs> the best thing right, for right. you. Um, but again, you know, one of the cons is going to be this keto flu. You don't feel well. The other thing is, is if you can, t- but if you continue to not feel well, you know, that's where you have to be really aware and we mm. have to know that we are not all going to do well on the same diet. Sure. What about and, lack of fruits? Right. I mean, I mean, and that's just it for me. It's like, you know, there are there's so much mineral content in fruits and right. vegetables that we're, we're kind of missing out, which is why, you know, I would love to see people do keto for a couple months, maybe transition off and mm-hmm. maybe reintroduce it. So, you know, metabolically, you're also kind of keeping the body like, what's guessing. going on? Guessing. What's happening? Exactly. I, I just you know? should interject, though, that keto, full disclosure, I have, I have certainly been um, doing keto for a, a little bit now, yeah. and I'm really liking it. I feel nourished. I'm I'm oh. losing. I just I just feel uh, so unlike fasting or juice fasts. I feel good, and and you can, 
eat the low glycemic yes, fruits. So can. that's fine. I don't yeah. want to be eating the high glycemic fruits mm-hmm. anyway. So lots of berries and mm-hmm. melon and grapefruit. And yep. I'm not really missing banana and mango. I was that as a con if someone loved those foods. If they eat yeah. tons you know, of if fruit. that was something that they really loved sure. and really yeah. wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and again, any type of... And I think keto is probably one of the easier when you go out to eat. You can have a lettuce wrapped hamburger. You can have a steak. Mm -hmm. You can have chicken, you know. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, it's – I have yet to really find a lot of of cons. You know, again, for me, it's just making sure that you're really supporting – the health of your body when you're doing something. It sounds like with all of these diets, the principles are all good. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, many of the, the, and so if you as a practitioner can, I'm sure you see your goal is to educate people as to Mm -hmm. these things are, this is the reason why we're doing this. And hopefully this can be integrated into a long-term way of eating. Absolutely. And there are a lot of people out there that have found this to be quite sustainable. Mm -hmm. But I also have people in my office that that come in that, that are like, I've been doing keto for two months and I'm they grow a little tired of it, mm-hmm. you know, and so it just, it, it, again, it depends on the individual, but you know, you can cycle in and out of things. You know, I don't, I don't think we have to get stuck in this mindset that I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this forever. Mm-hmm. But you there know. are certain principles one needs to watch sugars in general. Absolutely. Simple sugars, right? Yeah, and watch one needs to watch bad fats. Simple carbs. We don't want to be eating the fat on a steak. Mm-hmm. We we don't want to be eating simple carbs that break down so easily. Right. Processed Absolutely. foods, all that you've just mentioned. And which gets us back to the term nutrient dense, which you've used mm-hmm. a few times. Can you elaborate on that a bit? Because I that phrase has come into practice. Yeah. It's important it is, to it's, understand. It's huge it's kind of the foundation of of all of it this concept of nutrient density you know looking at a meal as fuel Mm -hmm. looking at a meal as you know thinking in macronutrient ratios thinking in micronutrient ratios your macros being your fats to carbohydrates to proteins you know your micros are going to be all your little micro minerals that are critical to survival you know coming from your uh, vegetables and your fruits low glycemic preferably you know but really thinking about food as you know sustaining life in lieu of making you feel full Mm -hmm. or -hmm. eating mindlessly yeah so that being said i think we need to shift completely like a 180 now to vegetarian and vegan because there's right. many people following those Absolutely. diets and they're completely a different focus. Yeah. So what would you say, why would somebody choose to go on a vegetarian diet and how can they get their nutrients? And, and may I chime in, there's plant-based, right. vegetarian, and vegan. And there's mm-hmm. strict vegan. Which I think are used interchangeably, right. but we... right. Well, there's, yeah, and there's like, you know, uh, lacto-ovarian vegetarian. Right. There's, and there's pescatarian. Yeah, there's there's so, but, you know, yeah, there's, there's a big, it's a big yeah. shift away from meat, though. It is. It is a big, and majority of my clients that are, and people that I have spoken to, their predominant reason for being vegan and being vegetarian is for, one, for the planet, mm-hmm. and two, for ethical reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you've watched any of the documentaries on, mm-hmm. you know, there's an ethical way to 
you know, euthanize an animal for consumption. And there are a tremendous amount of unethical ways to euthanize animals. Um, that's why I always speak to the fact that people who do eat um, animal proteins, and I do, but I research where they come from, you know, how they're fed, how they're raised, because, you know, knowing that every part of that, what that animal has been exposed to is now, you know, going into us for consumption. It's a big deal. And I don't think we necessarily think about that. You know, I've asked the question multiple times when teaching classes is, you know, do you think about where you're sourcing your food? And people are like, not really. Hmm. You know, not not penny people think beyond their plate sometimes. And there's a host of people that do. But there are some people who you know, are budget restricted. So they have oh. to buy what's on sale, you know. And sadly, we live in a society where, you know, sustainably raised fruits, vegetables, organically raised is really difficult to afford. And we've gotten used you know, to eating and... everything we want every day of the year. <laughs> we don't do the uh, sort of like seasonal things. Right. That's we such want a good our, point. Yeah. We want our, and we want, and even if you yep. shop at some of the big box stores, we're, we're bringing it across many, many miles. So there's mm-hmm. so many ethical issues yep. when it comes to food. But that's a uh, different, that's a, but that's that's a, a whole, whole nother box. But, you know, <laughs> you talk about, um, you know, and I think there's not a, there's not a one size fits all from veganism. There's not a one size fits all from vegetarianism. You know, it's, you know, a majority of people, I had a couple um, vegetarians when I taught my class last year, you know, and we, I had to make some modifications to the, to the recommendations because they need to get proteins, you know, protein converts into amino acids. Amino acids are, as we spoke of earlier, are the building blocks for healthy neurotransmitter function. But how do they, how do we, there's like 11 our bodies don't make. and beans and. What about vegetarians who always seem, they seem to gain weight when they become vegetarian because they're eating so many carbs, they're eating the wrong kinds of carbs. They're eating, probably eating the wrong kinds of carbs, maybe food combining. They're not, you know, the challenges also when we're talking about animal fats are very satiating. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and so, but making sure you're getting enough avocado, enough oils, enough fats to have the body be satiated and not crave carbohydrates. What about, um, so nuts are a great source of Nuts fat. are a great source. Walnuts are a huge source of omega-3s. Do you, you know, see- adding flax, adding... Um, Hemp and chia. Hemp and chia, yeah. Yeah. Right. yes. Thank what about you. B12? I mean, where, where is B12 going to come for, for vegetarians? You you typically want to recommend supplementation for mm-hmm. B12 because it's a little bit difficult mm. to get it, get sufficient all the bees. B12, mm-hmm. getting all the Bs. Right. So, you know, there are some some areas of, of uh, th- that you'd want to supplement and add to that, you know, but also making sure from a digestive perspective that they're breaking down and utilizing what they're eating. You know, we talked about that in the last podcast. You know, digestion is kind of the foundation of mm-hmm. all of this. Gut health is so critical, regardless of what diet. Which you know, goes you back follow. to what you were saying about the fast food on every corner and people grabbing and going mm-hmm. and yeah. eating on yeah. the run. How are we digesting Absolutely. when we're eating that way? And I'm happy to see, too, on the, the vegetarian side is they're starting to make some really great non-soy-based vegetarian options. Yes, the mung bean tempeh The mung bean tempeh and ah, the uh, macadamia nut, so macadamia nut cheese 
and L- the um, lentil cashew cheese, the lentil They're tempeh. They're pretty good, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the plant-based burgers, the plant-based sausages. Beyond meat Beyond is meat. my new obsession. What is it Beyond made meat? of? Pea protein. And it's also protein? fava beans. It's fava beans not and pre-protein. Soy. No. It's, there's not an ounce yeah. of soy in it. And, and there It's so tasty. My, I had my husband taste when I didn't tell him what it was. I said, what do you think of this sausage? Mm-hmm. Knowing he wouldn't taste it. He said, it's really good. It's my eight-year-old And then you it. told him. Yes, and, but it's great. <laughs> it's so good. They sell it at Safeway. What yeah. is it again? Beyond Meat. Beyond oh, Meat. Oh, or I've seen the Beyond Burger. But the sausage. Is that the same? I've had the sausage. Mm-hmm. It's great. The thing about Portland, and we are so lucky. Oh, so we lucky are here. so blessed with the amount of restaurants here. People are so creative. When we were growing up, there was a few cookbooks like um, what was it called Moosewood, and there's all the different veg- vegetarian Epicure, and uh, the foods were Alice so Waters. simple. Yep. And yep. now they're oh, so and now the amazing. way they create these foods, and I mean. You don't even know that you're eating vegetarian meals. It's so satiating and fabulous. So if you're choosing to be a vegetarian, learn how. Yeah, exactly. You know, learn how to balance your meals so that you are getting adequate fats, adequate proteins, and able to reduce those refined carbohydrates. Focus on the complex. You can eat quinoa. You know, quinoa renders seven to nine grams of protein, Mm -hmm. you know. um, Huge amount. Absolutely. Chia pudding. Chia pudding. Chia has phenomenal. Yes. I want to put in a plug for one of our our best restaurants in Portland, uh, Ava Jean's, which is run Mm -hmm. by, oh my God, I'm going to forget his name now, Josh. Can't think of his name. But he... The, the chef owner of Ava Jean's created the kale salad. Yep. You know, he started the kale craze because mm-hmm. he'd run out of lettuce at a restaurant he was working at in New York. But everything in that, his cookbook, Five Seasons, I've heard that is a wonderful cookbook that. for vegetarians. Is it six seasons? <laughs> I have it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget that has, last season. <laughs> he has early summer and yes. midsummer. It's yeah, great. Added it's great. in. I've heard and the best things about that cookbook. As it's, to your point about eating in season, it's so yeah. exciting mm-hmm. to think these are the veg that you really want to eat in the early summer and these are so the other thing that i recommend is go to your go to your local um farmer's market Mm -hmm. oh yes meet meet your farmers Mm -hmm. Hmm. you know it was fun we were in santa fe last year and we met it was a great great farmer's market and they had had, we met all the growers and they had a santa Santa fe farmer's market cookbook so of course does kyle buy it yes because she loves cookbooks and i've made some of the best recipes Mm -hmm. in that so would you say so when we talk about so just to kind of uh get away some of the confusion here when you talk about paleo and keto you're more of a a animal rich diet now you're more of a vegetarian Mm -hmm. diet you're getting away from animal fats are people going to be are they going to achieve the same amount of health and wellness on that kind of diet so you know i have read studies where it is a little bit more difficult, um, you know, for people to achieve. There are a lot of people that are achieving optimal health following that diet, but there are a lot of people who really struggle to reach optimal health by eliminating anim- and simply because they're probably not getting sufficient amounts of, of proteins. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be based on the individual and the choices the choices that, that they're making. Um, people who know how to fuel their body do really, really well. Um, but I think it's a it's a bit of a it's a bit of a learning curve and I think it can be really challenging for some. Um, I, do you know who have you heard of Nora Geddes? She's Mm-mm. she's local, she's amazing, but she for a very long time I read a 
Um, is she a nutritionist? She is. And she, for many, many years, for ethical reasons, tried to be vegetarian, followed veganism, and really, really struggled. And finally kind of embraced the fact that she just wasn't metabolically meant to be and to follow that type of, of diet. And now everything is about kind of this primal diet and following that. that. And she's healthy and amazing and so well getting back to what michael pollan the great food writer (laughs) said he said you know eat food he meant whole foods Mm -hmm. mostly plants yep um you know and uh you know whole foods basically Mm -hmm. not too much and but not too much of anything so he's basically said so i think if you have we talked about this whole thing this fusion Mm -hmm. so in the interest of time i think we should jump into the last but i think the greatest diet of all is the mediterranean diet it really is. I mean, it is, um, it's probably one of the most recommended mm-hmm. diets of all. Right. You know, and for good reason. And the reason is, is it follows a high fat diet. It's full of olive oil. I think, I think it's recommended they eat olive oil at every meal. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, um, and it's been long known as the healthiest diet. It's pretty, and planet, it pretty well balanced. Be, it's very well balanced. The amazing thing about it, though, is it's not considered a diet. It's just a way of eating. And they have Which longevity. Which is what we should be talking about. And Which I is think, exactly yeah. well, that's what why should... I think it sort of sums up a little bit of yep. everything. Yeah, and, doesn't, and doesn't it have um, a pyramid sort of approach to it where you have a certain amount of things on the bottom and you sort of go up the, up the scale where you have less cheeses and less dairy at the top? I remember seeing that. Maybe I'm wrong, but I thought Mediterranean mm-hmm. diet had sort of a platform of like an emphasis on certain foods. Well, there's more of an emphasis on fats and vegetables mm-hmm. and proteins. Um, they do eat pastas. They do eat some bread. So those those would be on the lower echelon. So if that's yes. what you're thinking, yes. um, red wine is on there. Right. You know, red red wine is full that. of resveratrol, which yeah. is a known antioxidant, mm-hmm. anti-inflammatory. Um, the whole diet is considered to be anti-inflammatory. I mean, the way the of eating diet, the is way of, their it, way of that living way of living is, is considered anti-inflammatory, and, and their health records reflect that. Yeah, so, I wanted to add this. So, in January of 2019, the U.S. News evaluated 41 of the most popular diets. They identified Mediterranean as number one best overall diet. So, mm. that just came out in January. That's great news. So, and it's also one of the most heart healthy. And it's right. easy to follow. And it's easy to follow. So it's fresh vegetables, mm-hmm. leafy, lots of leafy greens, eggplant, artichokes, cauliflower, tomatoes, literally olive oil, almost at every meal, nuts, seeds, legumes, beans, that includes lentils and chickpeas, lots of herbs and spices. You know, they're finding um, that are there are certain spices, and I don't know particularly which ones off the top of my head, but... Some spices um, they're finding can have advantages in helping break down fats. Mm. So the spicier the food, it can actually Particular help. Particular peppers, well, like, yep. I think. If you go to any ethnic food, you know, like Indian food, Mexican yep. food, Tar. they all use their <laughs> yep. cumin and their turmeric. Yep. Well, I grew up in a, in a household that we ate a lot of Italian Absolutely. food. Absolutely. And I can say that's exactly how we ate most of the time. And it was pretty – we didn't eat huge bottles of pasta. Right. And even to this Nor day – Nor do the Italians. No, you go to, you go no. to Italy, they had little – it's called the primo piatti. It's a, yep. little, it's a little thing of, mm-hmm. of pasta. So I think if you look so, at Italians in general, they tend to eat more – Absolutely. An- animal 
plant-based yep. fats. They don't eat a lot of bread. I they remember the first time I either. went to Italy, I was so amazed at how thin people were. Mm-hmm. They you walk know, everywhere. I somehow thought they would all look like the Sopranos. <laughs> they're no. kind Those of in New Jersey. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Those in Jersey they're Italians. eating so, they're eating. So here is the other thing is it's, you dine out. It's not about the food. It's about the experience. It's about connecting with your family, you know. And so they eat slower. They chew their food. They eat less. They take because longer. Because they take longer. Mm-hmm. They're realizing they're full before, you know, they've allowed all of those, you know, physiological processes in our body to say, I've had enough. To, I've had enough to and eat. And don't they, they have their savor. bigger meal in the and middle they, of the day? Yeah. Um, well, some people do. Some South, do. South Americans more than more than Italians, and but the French. But I think they savor the moment. They, they have do. long leisurely time. Mm-hmm. They argue. They laugh. They Absolutely. have a lot of fun. So they don't. But they, they sing. Have, but they also have appropriate portions. <laughs> yes, they do. They do. Yeah. That is the one thing in the U.S. that we struggle with the most mm-hmm. is portion size and portion control. So that has to be a part of this the conversation. The super double gulp. The double <laughs> the wide donut. Double, yeah. double size, double size. It, and it's always the more is better concept yeah. that more somehow works. More is not always better. shouldn't work. So, um, yeah, I mean, the diet fights free radicals. It's anti-inflammatory. I mean, right. it's just, you know, for me um, – in my practice, especially because I do have women predominantly coming in with weight issues, mm-hmm. is my recommendation would be this is a great diet, but I would not recommend pastas, maybe a little, every mm-hmm. now and again, breads, you know, those types of things. When you're talking about, you know, trying to transition someone from a highly refined diet, sometimes removing temptation and removing those foods can be highly beneficial. Yeah. So I think we've come to the end of this podcast today because we've gone through so many things to talk about. And what we want to do now is um, say goodbye for now and come back at another episode and talk about how women can uh, achieve different goals of health Mm -hmm. and wellness and weight control at various phases of their lives. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to take this time. Thank you, Tracy. It's been an amazing experience listening to your wealth of knowledge. Thank you. So much. Ditto. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. I love I love being here. I love participating in this. You know, I think there is so much information out there, and I appreciate both of you for the opportunity to help kind of, you know, pare it down a little bit and put it on a level that's, you know, easy to understand and easy to apply to one's life. So, so let's raise a glass of red wine and toast. Cheers. Okay. Cheers. Till next time, everybody. Till the next time. To be time. continued. Well, here we are at the end of this WTF Woman Talking Frankly podcast episode. In signing off, we want you to remember that what you are feeling is not all in your head. And that you have so many options to choose from to get you back to balanced living. Until next time, be well. And remember, if you want a great life, you need to ask great questions. Be courageous. Ask for what you need. With love, Kyle and Candace. Our website is womentalkingfrankly.com 
where you can find all of our episodes, check out the show notes for resources, articles, and remedies, and where you can also feel free to email us with any questions, a hormone story, anything you'd like us to share with our listeners. Women Talking Frankly, WTF, is produced by Dan Rigger of Medicine Whistle Studios in his lovely Southeast Portland, Oregon studio. We want to thank our webmaster and dear friend, Deb Hollister of Pure and Simple Graphic Design. We also want to give a shout out to all of our family, friends, and patients for all of their support and encouragement to start this podcast. We are your hosts, Kyle McAvoy and Candace Birch. <laughs>